This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. David represents mercy. Why? Because David's life was always so much in trouble that he was constantly receiving the mercy of God. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood is no remission. And the wonderful thing about the blood needed for remission, the blood that was needed to come to God, the blood that was needed to come before God, is that it's a gift. God said, I gave it to you. What are you doing trying to find it in some other place? I gave it to you, and and that's really what Leviticus 17.11 is saying. Leviticus 17.11, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you already. I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. So it's the blood that's a gift. The gift is God so loved the world that he gave, all wrapped up, gave his only begotten son. That lamb that came from God, called the Lamb of God in John one twenty nine. John one twenty nine. the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb from God, which takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that was given for you from God, with a big card on it that says, To you from God. So she stands afar off and she cries to Christ, and she comes with a cry, and her cry is, in verse 22, Have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David, because her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. So she came for mercy, she looked for mercy, and she appealed to Christ on two levels. She appealed to Christ on two levels. First, she appealed to Jesus on the level of calling Jesus Lord, calling Jesus God. Verse 22, have mercy on me, O Lord. The words, O Lord, in verse 22, is not just her saying, sir, you'll never find, you'll never find the scribes and the Pharisees ever calling Jesus Lord. No, you won't. 
When a person called Jesus Lord, they were calling Jesus God. Or put it another way, they were saying that the name of God is Jesus when they called Jesus Lord. They were calling on the name of the Lord, just like the prophet Elijah, when he was standing up there on Mount Carmel with the false prophets of Baal there also, those idolaters, and they, he challenged this one man, Elijah, challenged all those prophets of Baal over the name of God. That's what he did in 1 Kings 18.24. 1 Kings 18.24, when Elijah says, call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it's well spoken. A person can only be saved if he calls Jesus God, as stated in Acts 2.21, Acts 2.21. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is the importance of her calling Jesus Lord in verse 22. But in her cry to God, to Jesus, she also appeals on another second level, on another name, which she calls him, thou, you, son of David. She says in verse 22, verse 22, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. So here, she's calling Jesus the son of David or the Messiah. By calling Jesus God, she's saying, you have the power to help me. That's the first part. Lord, is you have the power to help me. By calling Jesus the son of David, she's saying, you have the will to help me. You have the will to help me because that's what the Messiah is all about. The Messiah is all about for you, for you, for you, helping us. Luke 19.10, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. So by calling Jesus thou Son of David, she's saying that Jesus has grace to help her, has grace to help her. See, by calling him the Son of David, she's saying that he's a fountain of grace, a fountain of grace. John 1.17, John 1.17 says, the law, the Torah, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You know, as I was seeing on TV that the head of this Shield of David organization, there's going to be a rally this afternoon at 3 o'clock for, against anti-Semitism out in El Cajon. But anyway, I'm not promoting that right now. I'm just telling you something. But the man on television was, uh, who organized this, this from the Shield of David, his name was Ben Moshe. Ben Moshe, which means son of Moses. Jesus is never called a son of Moses because Moses represents the law. And for us, Moses represents the law that we failed to keep. Moses represents the law that condemns us. Moses does not represent the law that saves us, which is why John 1.17 says that Jesus is contrasted with Moses because in John 1.17, there is a choice that's embedded in that verse, a choice of how we're going to approach God when it says, in John 1.17, is a choice between coming to God through the law that Moses gave or coming to God through the grace that Jesus offers. And this woman chose to come to God through the grace and mercy that Jesus offers. She did not come and say, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of Moses. She didn't say that. Because David in the Bible represents mercy. And actually, there's a phrase in the Bible, it's called the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David, Isaiah 55, 3, Isaiah 55, 3, incline your ear and come unto me, here your soul shall live. 
and I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Acts 13.34, Acts 13.34, as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Mercies of David. David represents mercy. Why? Because David's life was always so much in trouble for you that he was constantly receiving the mercy of God. David was saved so many times by mercy. He says in Psalm 57.1, David says, Psalm 57.1, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me. My soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of the wings, thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. As a matter of fact, Israel, the name Israel, the person Israel, was born on one day in Genesis 32 when Jacob cried out to God for mercy. It says in Genesis 32.10, 32.10, Jacob said, I'm not worthy of the least of, thy, of all the mercies and of the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. And then a few verses down in Genesis 32, 28, Genesis 32, 28, God said to him, and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. This woman is crying to Jesus in verse 22, and she's saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. And she's a Gentile. She's doing what another Gentile woman did when she put herself under the wings of the God of Israel, the place of mercy. And that other Gentile woman was Ruth. And she was described, Ruth was described in Ruth 2.12, Ruth 2.12, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. So said a Jewish man to a Moabitess woman, Ruth, she had put herself under the wings of the God of Israel, and she was trusting there. And now this woman, in verse 22, is following Ruth's tracks and doing exactly the same thing when she said, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. This woman, by doing this, is renouncing the gods of Canaan. When it says that, in verse 22, a woman of Canaan came out. There's a double meaning there. She came out, she crossed the line to do what Ruth did. Ruth came out of Moab. Ruth crossed the line when she said in Ruth 1.16, Ruth 1.16, Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. So we see that this woman's requested when she's doing the same thing, and she's coming very specific, very meaningfully. She's begging for mercy. She's not arguing her merits. She's not saying, I deserve this. This is so different, this woman, from another group of people who, after they've died, are trying to argue their way into heaven by pleading their merits in Matthew 7.21. Matthew 7.21 where Jesus says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? 
And then while I professed unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Why did he never know them and that they should be cast into hell? Because there's, because in what they said, I don't hear any call for mercy. All I hear is a call of merit. And it's, we deserve this. And we're not calling on you for mercy. And this is how the woman is coming. She's coming, calling for mercy, and not arguing her merit. She's a mother. A mother's heart is broken for her daughter. She's distressed over what's happened to her daughter. Her prayer is a prayer of a parent that could might as well be a pattern for every parent. Have mercy on me. I have a son or a daughter who is grievously vexed with sexual impurity. Have mercy on me. I have a son or a daughter who's grievously vexed with a proud spirit of arrogance. Have mercy on me. I have a son or a daughter who grievously vexed with wrong friends who are corrupting him. Have mercy on me. I have a son or a daughter who is grievously vexed with the spirit of wanting to be independent from God. Have mercy on me. I have a son or a daughter who is grievously vexed with this interest in Eastern religions. Now, she's coming like this, and we would have thought that since the woman had called out on Jesus as God, had called him the son of David, that the Lord would have responded to her immediately. But in verse 23, verse 23, but he answered her, not a word. The disciples came and besought him and, and saying, send her away. She cries after us. And when this woman encountered this silence from Christ, she met with discouragement. She was not even acknowledged by the Lord. For her, the heavens were brass. She had no answer from God in verse 23. Verse 23, he answered her not a word, not a single word, not a nod, nothing. Just imagine how discouraging that was for her to hear nothing from Christ. The only thing she hears is from the disciples in verse 23. She hears, send her away, dismiss her. And here she's faced with a very hard decision at this point. Would she be sent away? Would she turn away as they were asking her to be turned away? Now, we have to pause here and just say, what's really going on here? Does the Lord hate Gentiles? It was not that he didn't care about the Gentiles. It was a matter of timing. The Gentiles were not abandoned by God, far from it. But they were, the focus would turn to the Gentiles following the rejection by the Jewish people as the Jewish people were supposed to be the gift of God to the Gentile people. And because they refused to take that position, then God set Jesus as the gift of God to the Gentile people following their rejection. And this is all explained to us in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49.4. Isaiah 49.4 is a statement of great discouragement by the Lord Jesus. Great downcast. When the Lord Jesus says in Isaiah 49.4, then I said, I've labored in vain. I spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Surely my judgment is with the Lord, but my work with God. He's talking about, well, as he put it, in verse 5 in Isaiah 49.5, Isaiah 49.5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the wound to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and God, my God shall be my strength. So he's talking about, as he told, as he said there, 
in Matthew 15. He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What for? Bring them back, the father said. Bring them back. Or as it says in Isaiah 49.6, Isaiah 49.6, bring Jacob again to him. That's what he was sent for. And he does this and he pours his whole heart out. He tries to do this and he pours his whole heart out. And in the end, he says in Isaiah 49.4, Isaiah 49.4, I wasted my time. I labored in vain. I spent my strength for nothing because they didn't bring him back, because they didn't come back. And he's very discouraged. He's very downhearted, but he's poured his strength out. He said, I've spent my strength for nothing. He's strengthless. He's poured it out. And then he says, my God shall be my strength. So God re-strengthens him. And then God says in Isaiah 49.6, Isaiah 49.6, following this rejection, following his failure, let's face it, I understand how he felt. I've been trying to do that for most of my life. As one Jewish newspaper put it, Tom Catcher is a total failure. And I have to say, you're absolutely correct. Because Jews have not come back to Christ, have not come to Christ. So I know what he's feeling. Anyway, then God the Father says in Isaiah 49.6, Isaiah 49.6, he said, it's a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth, my Yeshua to the end of the earth. Psalm 98.3, Psalm 98.3, he remembereth this mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So it's just a matter of timing. Right now he's still in the process in Matthew 15 to try his very best, pour out all of his strength to bring Israel back to God. But the Lord doesn't want any Gentile to perish. In fact, he cries out to the whole earth, Gentiles, in Isaiah 45, 22, Isaiah 45, 22, he says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else. All the Gentiles. Isaiah 52, 10, Isaiah 52, 10, the Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. But when the disciples encountered this woman crying out for help, their response was, verse 23, verse 23, send her away, send her away. Sometimes that's our response. Sometimes that's our response when we see a person in need. We just don't, don't have the time. We don't want to be troubled. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. It's so much easier to say, send that person away. Just send them away. But God says in Matthew 15, 32, in Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue now with me three days and have nothing to eat. I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Now, it was just so hard for this woman, to, this poor dear woman to hear the Lord say in verse 24, verse 24, but he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was all the more hard for her when she finally got a response from the Lord and that, sorry, I'm not sent to your people. I mean, he, told, he already told his disciples this in Matthew 10, 5. Matthew 10, 5, he said, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But now this woman has another choice. She's going to turn away? 
and she is not going to turn away. She is a fighter. She came for mercy. She's not leaving till she gets mercy, and she takes it to the next level in verse 25. Verse 25, then came she in worship saying, Lord, help me. This woman did not say, Lord, help the Canaanites. This woman said, help me. She is now stepping out of the group called the Canaanites. And she's asking the Lord, not for all the Canaanites, but for her specifically when she says in verse 25, verse 25, Lord, help me. Her words are so important there. They mean so much when she says, Lord, help me. I made a bronze plaque for the entrance of my house with her words on it, Lord, help me. Because what she's saying is so meaningful. She's saying, help me as an individual. Don't help me as a Canaanite. Help me as an individual. Lord, see me as an individual. Don't see me as a Canaanite. This has transformed my mind because the Jews say to me, we care about you because the Talmud says the one Jew saved is the whole world or something like that. We want you. You're a Jew. We want you to come back. And I say to them, I wish you wouldn't see me as just a Jew, a part of a group. I don't see you, my dear rabbi friend, as a Jew, as part of Israel. I see you for your name. What is your name? I know your name. You are an individual to me. That's what this woman's doing. Don't see me as a Canaanite. See me as who I am. Individuals, not part of a group, when she says, Lord, help me. And she cries out. Now the Lord fully engages a response to her when he says in verse 26, verse 26, but he answered and said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. That's a really tough statement. That's a tough one. But she got what she was wanting, this fighter. She got what she was wanting. She's got an engagement with him. She's got a conversation with him. She's got a discourse with him. And this gives her great hope. She can engage the Lord now on his own words, on his own words. She's just been called a dog, and that doesn't offend her. If she's a dog, then she'll be a dog. And she's quick. She's so quick to reply back with this with divine wisdom in verse 27 when she says, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She says, Truth, Lord. She's owning the title of a dog. You want to call me a dog? I'm a dog. You want me to wear a sign around me that says dog? I'll wear it when she says, Truth, Lord. But she totally transforms her thinking, and she looks at the dog, and she sees the dog. It eats from crumbs that fall from the table. She's so creative. She's so quick on her feet. And what we're seeing here of this back and forth is God, the great gardener, the great pruner, doing his work of John 15.1. John 15.1, where Jesus says, I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. This is what God is doing here with this woman. There's a little fruit. God, you are God, Jesus. You are the son of David, Jesus. And now God the Father takes his pruning shears and he cuts. And it hurts because he wants more fruit and he's getting it. This is the trial of her faith. This is her trial. Because God tries faith to make it stronger. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.